2: It's a lovely chip! Oh, it's a brilliant goal! From Lord Bohemond! Still it's not away. Southgate shot. Milosevic
3: scores. GPR could do with a bit of magic from him. Maybe this is it. It is! Andy Sinton from nothing. Brian Roy has headed for his into lead. Whelan? Oh, what a goal from Noah Whelan!
4: Hit hey, leg! Oh, Hit hey, leg no. over the top! It's out now!
0: Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back
5: him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, oh. he hasn't. No!
3: Hello and welcome back to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? Series 3, Episode 3. I'm Chris Gold. Joining me, Josh Widdicombe. Hello. And some say his birth was the moment that Frank Reichardt flobbed into Rudy Voller's hair. And over the following months, he slowly grew arms and legs, crawled out of the Stadio della Alpi Turin, and over the following years established himself as the producer of one of the nation's most loved nostalgic football podcasts. Others claim he's Jerry Francis' hairdresser. It's Michele Mardoni. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> That's my favourite one. Have
5: you run out? <laughs> <laughs> it's getting a bit surreal. I was in prep earlier. Just <laughs> I was digging deep. Shall we do the correspondence? Yes.
1: I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the electronic Postbag.
3: You've got mail. Right, Stephen's been on. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about our live shows in London, the fact that Steve Stone had turned up unannounced and didn't reveal himself to the audience. Well, Steve was there, and he said he was at the first show, and ex-Wimbledon midfielder Stuart Castledean was there. Oh, my word. He was a really How did nice- I not recognise him? <laughs> in full kit no he didn't say that he said he was a really nice bloke which as is astonishing
5: e- considering his fame
3: <laughs> although as an Everton fan I didn't enjoy him going on to YouTube to show me his first Premier League going women's win at Goodison amazing
5: amazing that he did that um, I'm genuinely delighted that I shouldn't have been disparaging about Stuart Castle Dean, that's quite exciting I find it astonishing that 90s footballers came to the show like oh, yeah. that's it's kind of great but it kind of puts you on your toes about what you say about people. Because you're quite open. Do you yeah. know what we need to do? Then? I'd hate to find out that Joey Beecham had come <laughs> after the roasting we gave him. What, well, in central London? Would that
3: commute? <laughs> yeah. um, we'll have to do that in Manchester for that live show. To have a, a 90s footballer amnesty. Oh, yeah. yeah. How, are you a 90s footballer? Right, yeah. check out their creds and then ask them to leave. <laughs>
5: I I think there was a show about, like, in 20 years, someone did, like, a show that took the piss-stroke celebrated panel shows that would be the last place I'd want to go to. Is
3: that Nick Hancock in the (laughs) audience? (laughs) So, last week, we started... uh, Well, we suggested that we might have a new feature here called... What was it? Do do I remember that? Did Uh, I
5: remember this right, it should be called? I mean, it's... (laughs) very apt that we can't remember the numbers, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean uh, to be honest <laughs> i whole shows based on a mispronunciation <laughs> yeah. let's draw right draw a line under it right. it's now called do I remember this right do I remember
2: this right do I remember this right do I, do remember, I remember this right? right do I remember this right right
5: this right, this right,
3: this right right Andrew Goldman I've been trawling the internet for something I've remembered from the back of my mind in 1991, but with no joy. That is exactly what we're <clears throat> looking for, Andrew. It's making me think i dreamt the whole thing. On the 1st of February, 1991, Spurs played out a 0-0 draw with Leeds in Division 1. Later that month, while watching Surprise, Surprise with my mum and dad, Scylla Black gave a boy an opportunity to meet his heroes at the lane. Yeah. Not only did he meet them... He did the tactics pre-match. Oh, come on. Brackets with the help of Terry Venables. It showed him telling the team to get the ball out wide and put crosses in, followed by match highlights of his tactics being put to use. Fortunately for me, as a Leeds fan, John Lukic kept them at bay. Surely I haven't made this up. I remember being very jealous at the time, but also smug, that the boys' tactics (laughs) didn't get the goal he badly (laughs) prayed. Andrew Goldman, quite smug. Brilliant. I
5: love that. Who remembers that? Well, that's a great question. Who remembers that? It feels Well, genuine. is that surprise a surprise? Is that not Jim will fix it? Maybe that's like why surprise, he can't find it. Surprise surprise would have been they take him to the Tottenham dressing room then he, like, meets a cousin he hasn't seen for ages. <laughs> <will laughs> find Terry Benneville's yeah. long-lost brother uh, yeah, and bring him yeah, to yeah. the <laughs> team talk. Yeah. I know
2: you've never met your dad, Timmy, but
5: <laughs> here's Terry. I mean, it sounds like a good feature. I also love that uh, Andrew Goldman took a dislike to this boy because <laughs> when I was a kid... Yeah, you they'd know, have other kids on like you know game shows like Run the Risk or whatever. Yeah. I don't- I'd never I'd never say, I'd always want the kid to fail, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I remember watching Funhouse and I yeah. would
2: I would be livid when they were crap. <laughs> when they would do the go-karts at the end, I'd be like, Oh for God's sake, I could drive better than that. Yeah, <laughs> no,
5: it's just pure jealousy. But yeah. you wanted them to fail. Yeah, because I I wanted to be that. Yeah. So it's like if you haven't been picked for the World Cup, not that I'd applied, you wouldn't want England <laughs> to then go on and win, would you? I think so No matter what Matt yeah, claimed.
3: So when you're <laughs> when you're watching that kid on surprise, surprise him to get the ball out wide, you're like, no, put it through
5: the middle. <laughs> No, I'd, I'd be going. I really hope Leeds do them man. <laughs> well, yeah, let us know if you remember that.
3: Do I remember this right?
2: Do I remember this right? Do I remember this right? Do I,
5: do remember, I, remember, this, right? Do I remember this
3: right? right? Right, right, right. Uh, we've had this amazing email from Chris West. Now, we all know and love Gary Mabbott's tribulations with a Dulux dog. But did you know he's done public appearances with other co-stars now oh, I want what? you to picture the scenes it's a corporate 5 side it's the year 2000 it's slightly out of our remit but we'll go with it you've won the 5 side Gary Hamilton is about to give you the trophy but he's, he's got company Who, yeah. he's up there on the pedestal who's with him Milky Bar Kid Tony Hadley from Spandau Ballet.
5: oh yes <laughs>
3: however there's also a third wheel advertised have a guess. Why do you need a third
5: wheel? You've booked those two. Oh, I mean, so you've yeah. got
3: Gary Mabbott Tony Hadley from Spano Ballet. Where are you going for your third wheel? Jermaine Greer. <laughs> Close. <laughs> Tessa Sanderson. <laughs> <laughs> Bad news, uh, very much in the manner of a Q and A at the Linton Travel Tavern. Tessa Sanderson had to pull out at the last oh. minute, so Hadley and Mabber were left giving the amazing. awards at the a side.
5: That's an amazing lineup for a side yeah. tournament. Yeah, um, well, for anything really. Do you want it? So Big, about, it'd be a good lineup for Mot the Week. Tell me you wouldn't watch that, though. <laughs> Absolutely, I'd keep up my Sky Plus box for years. Yeah. <laughs> So but the- I thought I thought Mabba he was good, his scenes were good, but he's a natural actor. But his Yeah, he wasn't that good on the desks. He did he didn't chip in enough for my yeah. take. His blood sugar really started failing towards the end. <laughs> yeah. Not many people realise it's actually a much longer record than comes across <laughs> on TV. I don't think Gary allowed for that. But now, the moment we've been waiting to series four. We've got our hands on the second book in the Steve Barnes trilogy. If you haven't listened to the first one, go back, do it now. Welcome back. Of all the episodes we've done, I'd say this one is what people talk to me about the most. Yeah, it was our best episode in series one. It wasn't in series two, and I felt the series suffered. (laughs) (laughs) We've got the third book. That will be in series four. We can promise that now. For now, I'd say just as good, if not better, than the first book. Here is Ivo Graham discussing Steve Bruce's Sweeper. Two and a half hours to kick off. It all starts to get a bit serious now.
4: Just time to sort out tickets for family and friends. Predict a few scores in the player sweep.
3: That's worth 70-odd quid to the winner. Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin Will He Score for his second appearance. It's comedian and friend of the show, Ivo Graham. Hello, everybody. Thank Res- you for having me. Pleasure to have you here. Resident Steve Bruce expert.
5: Oh. There's comedians that... Actually, uh, experienced the nineties. Absolutely spitting feathers at the moment. <laughs>
4: yeah,
1: I mean, I do know about nineties football, and I feel I've had to make that point already tonight, uh, pre-recording, when Josh has accused me of not knowing Paul Dickov, Mark Poom, and most insultingly, Louis Boa Morte <laughs> <laughs> All three of which had careers that extended long, into, and I knew about them in the nineties as well, but played long into the noughties.
5: Okay, <laughs> who's, so who's Steve Bruce though? What, <laughs> <it? Yeah. laughs> so what we have here if you haven't listened to the first episode uh, from series one in which we went through uh, Striker Steve Bruce's first detective novel I would implore you to listen to that now this is part two hopefully you'll enjoy it if you didn't listen to the first one but you know in the world of podcasting and snackable content you can go back and enjoy it guys yeah michael yeah
3: should we not do a little flashback like they do with the set, a new series of like game of thrones they go quickly here's what happened last time so as i recall steve barnes he's in charge of Ledersford town a player dies there's eddie It seems to be out to get him uh, uh, but it's not eddie Carberry. there's loads and loads of things that go on over 200 pages then it is eddie Carberry. <laughs> yes <laughs> Yeah. The only place you're wrong there is it's 130 pages.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Basically, Steve Bruce has written three awful detective novels.
1: Yeah. And he wrote them all in very quick succession as well, yes. which is not to be sniffed at. In the late 90s. Prolific, uh, yes. And we reviewed the first one, and yeah, not, not to overhype uh, my first appearance on this podcast, but someone I went to school with and hadn't seen for eight years wrote to me on Facebook to say that he hadn't really enjoyed any of the stand-up clips that appeared of me on YouTube, <laughs> but he had begrudgingly enjoyed the Steve Bruce episode. LAUGHTER
5: Right. So, um, before nice. we start, any questions? Me and Ivo have read this. As like with last time, we're now going to tell you two about it. You haven't read it, no? Yeah, no. You've got I no knowledge of it. No idea.
1: Test you, and we've and uh, uh, Chris, you've done a bit already. But on what you remember being the defining features yeah. of uh, Steve Bruce's uh, striker, the the characters, the narrative, and yes, yeah, specifically the the storytelling techniques so Bruce the
3: writer seems to obsess over small inconsequential details I think it's that fair to say. is back good, good. <laughs> so, so the first
2: book more we have- <laughs> small more inconsequential more detail any other tropes uh, well obviously his uh, verging on sexual obsession with his car his Jaguar his XJ8 yeah
5: it's back. It's back. It's absolutely it's back. back. Of course it's and back. If he has got a contract with them, he's still got the contract with
1: them. because. And it's even expanded in this one to other characters in the story admiring it as well.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like someone said, Steve, um, you need to validate that it's not just you that finds the XJ. It's a great cast. So if you could get a couple of other people saying some quite complimentary
5: things the idea. Also, the main character, Steve Barnes, is loosely based on Steve Bruce in that he is exactly the same with one key difference Steve Barnes won the Champions League yeah
3: <laughs> <laughs> also isn't he quite like he's got a chip on his shoulder about his education isn't that a thing that the first is one?
5: strongly in
2: the second oh, one as no, well and, and I remember a, a questionable attitude to uh, a woman's place in the home
1: yeah and I'd say that those waters are muddied
5: even more here than, yeah. than in the
1: first one. You've got a few key female interactions. Do
5: you know what? We did the first one, what, 18 months ago? T- maybe a year ago. Mm, Pre-Me Too. Yeah, pre-Me Too. And this is even more uncomfortable in a Me Too world. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so shall we start? Do you want to hear about the the cover? Oh, yes, please. The cover is far more interesting. The first one was just a footballer stabbed.
3: Um, and the wrong aspect ratio so the player that was lying dead on the pitch appears to be really
2: tiny yeah like, oh yep. no is he is the player no, on the I pitch think, is massive I think the player was a giant They <laughs> stabbed <laughs> a
3: giant that's a yeah. giant dead player in the pitch <laughs> and they're, also in, that, in the book he dies in the dressing room not the pitch yeah. so yeah. like it's, well, a, so it's that unrelated one, that one
5: is too unrelated I'd say he swung too far the other way with this artwork <laughs> because um, the whole book is about unravelling a plot and all of the key features of the plot are on the cover yeah. that really give away the journey that is only unraveled after 110 pages. Like one of those trailer spoilers that you see. Exactly, There's, there's too the much in it. Needs, I'm a big yeah. fan
1: of the minimal. You know, you you've got to watch Josh on tour. It's a picture of Josh just stood against a wall. It's not a picture of Josh holding a tub of jam, a, a, a teapot. <laughs> <laughs> He's in a tent.
5: And yet yeah, this... Why to- don't we so talk save... No, why don't we save it and we'll read it out after you know what the story is. Okay. So that we don't okay. blow it for everyone. Okay. Okay. Chapter one, page
3: one.
5: I'll just read the... In- it's worth reading the intro. Six o'clock. New sentence. <laughs> Thursday. New sentence. And paragraph. <laughs> December. New sentence. And paragraph. Soon to be Christmas. New sentence. Crunch time in soccer. New sentence and paragraph. <laughs> What's Early on, by the way... Um, Steve Bruce always tries to get his eye back in with the difference between the space and the return. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, my first question. Uh, Steve Bruce, who was an English central defending stalwart, yeah. has controversially chosen the word soccer. Uh, over... Throughout
5: the book. I've, oh. I've circled it with the word soccer. Throughout so, the book.
2: Do you think he has ambitions of a, a wider international market when it 100%. came to this 100%. Really? What you
5: think? I was thinking that. What do you think, Ivor? Ivo? Did you pick up on it? I think it's very odd, but then it's sort of in keeping
1: with how he's, he describes lots of other worlds, which is that is it as if he's just Googled them and directly just copy and pasted the
5: key details about that particular industry from Google. Because he, he also refers to the division they're in as the Nationwide League First Division. Yeah, I've been... Which no one has ever... He also yeah. refers to it as the Carling Premiership at one point. He specifically observes the correct terminology <laughs> too much. I, I don't want to pick at this thread too early, because I want to believe that
2: Steve Bruce wrote, I know, he's wrote these it, he's books. I believe he's written it. I don't think an
1: American ghostwriter is going to tread so carefully around a semi-fictionalised world of northern place names.
4: The thought,
1: thought of this book hitting hitting home in Los Angeles, in New York, even with the original place names, let alone with a bunch of uh, Yankee soccer lovers saying, so is Lettersford Huddersfield? Or, uh
4: <laughs>
5: Where's Jonathan Franson been for the last three months? Oh, he's... He's he's ghostwriting all for Steve (laughs) Bruce. So... It starts. Well, do, you, do you want to set us off, Ivo?
1: Yeah, so it's, um, it's Christmas. Uh, it's, uh, it's a busy time of year. The, the background narrative of having to go Christmas shopping with his wife for his kids, it's never far from his mind. Yeah. No matter how frenetic an action scrape he gets drawn into, he still he, he needs to get to the shops before closing time. <laughs> There's fixture congestion. They're on, on the promotion trail. But things are far from secure. He's got the trust of his chairman. He's uh, cheated death once already this calendar year, but uh, there's still a lot of pressure.
5: And then, so that's the situation. Okay. So straight off, first chapter, he walks down the tunnel. It's night time. He goes out and uh, onto the pitch because he's at the ground, and uh, he finds the groundsman, old Sam. I right.
3: do they, they, they have a chat,
5: yeah? yeah. Steve Barnes says, uh, makes it me wish I was still playing, Sam, I said. To which Sam replies, age. Anno Domini. <laughs> it catches up with all of us. No, I've never heard anyone refer to an age or time <laughs> yeah. as Anno Domini. Is that what it means? I, I, I thought it meant kind after, of. A, time, a a bit, yeah, no, exactly. I think he's got a, a vague term that he thinks the passage of time means. How <laughs> many yeah. Latin?
1: How many Latin phrases about time that can there be? This is Clearly, entirely
3: appropriate. Age
5: BC. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So then um, they have a chat about um, Sam was referring to the spot of bother I had some months earlier when I'd been under suspicion and even for a week under arrest for murder. And then next to that, he's put an asterisk. You go down to the bottom of the page, there's an asterisk saying, um, this story is told in Striker by Steve Bruce. I thought that there is anyone
1: in the world reading Sweeper with no prior knowledge that there was another book.
3: Bloody hell! <laughs> How many people do you reckon I had to drop out of here and go back? Go,
5: I've got to go imagine, back on eBay. Imagine if, in the, in the Harry Potter books, every time it referred back, <laughs> this was told in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> Right, so they have a talk about time and then what happens to cut a long story short we we should should
1: establish uh, that um, Sam we get a little bit of Sam's backstory here so he's the club janitor and uh, he's the
3: janitor and the groundsman sorry he's the janitor he's
1: the janitor sorry
3: What's he doing down the pitch? He's cleaning
1: the bogs. I think he's got uh, I think it, I think the pitch is his dominion. I don't think that's too unthinkable that me, someone would be, be challenging. I'm <laughs> just gonna
5: tell you now, Scott, if that's the kind of issue you have, <laughs> yeah. you're really not gonna be able to enjoy the whole book because yeah. that's the least of your problems yeah.
1: although ironically, I that is a sort of a Barnes-esque forensic analysis like this could be in the middle of a gun battle and Steve <laughs> Barnes would be thinking what was the janitor doing on
4: the pitch <laughs> I mean.
1: so um, Sam says to Steve Barnes I started here when I was 15 straight from school and now I'm 65 you don't need a calculator to work that out at which point Steve says I did a quick sum <laughs> <laughs> 50 years you've had a good spell Sam so the, the cogs are ticking as, uh, <laughs> as, as regularly as ever. So this guy's been here for 50 years uh, at the club and he's on the verge of retirement. Uh, he was nearly fired along with a load of other club staff uh, a few m- months beforehand. Um, but he's nearing the end Just of his Just so tenure. you know,
5: if you think that is a point that you need to remember, it's absolutely needless. No. There is no need for there to have been almost a cull of Sam's job. It never comes up again. Right. It has nothing to do with anything. But it's a lovely little insight, and
1: not the first and not the last, into uh, just the, the workings of a football club. Yeah. The fact that... Uh, who was, was going to fire Sam prematurely before his retirement? The new men in suits. Who saved <laughs> his job? The lovely chairman, Sir Lawrence, an astute and successful businessman with a heart.
5: <laughs> so, and that's the conflict at the heart of any football club. By the way, that is, isn't Ivo describing Sir Lawrence. That is the exact word Steve Barnes <laughs> uses. <laughs> so, then, Steve Barnes walks down the tunnel. As I strode down the passage to the main reception. he hears a sound. At first, he thinks he's door-banging as Sam closed it. But it was accompanied by a cry. He goes back out. Old Sam is lying down. He's clearly in distress. He's having a convulsion. Now, this is where I think Steve Barnes... It's kind of brushed over but there's, there's an argument he could be charged for manslaughter <laughs> because what Steve Barnes decides is that even though he says he has, he has little first aid training he, Sam is clearly having an epileptic fit so he takes him into the reception the receptionist says I'll ring an ambulance Steve Barnes says no don't do that he's having an epileptic fit we'll just be kind of wasting their time So, so, so Steve Barnes has self-diagnosed him he self-diagnosed him as having an epileptic fit And he specifically said the
1: the just fantastic sentence, people who suffer from epilepsy get fed up of waking up in hospital. Which, I don't know, I've never had epilepsy. I can imagine that might be a problem for some people. But I'll tell you who also gets really fed up, people who don't have epilepsy, not being taken to hospital when they're visibly dying or something else. I think, no harm in a bit of caution, Steve. But it's a busy time of year.
5: So, uh, remembering his old first aid training, he unfastens uh, Sam's buttons on the shirt front. There's a tattoo on his upper arm of some kind of flag. Oh, dear. Yeah, know that one down. But he says, I wasn't interested in tattoos. All I wanted to do was help him breathe easier. Hasn't called an ambulance by this point. So then, <laughs> basically, he dies.
3: How's oh, that? Old Sam's yeah. dead. Old
5: Sam. Old oh, Sam's dead. So close. Not to, expecting that. So
1: close to retirement. A real series of twists for Old Sam. Nearly gets fired, keeps his job, then dies. It's,
5: <laughs> it's. There's a bit also here where basically Steve Barnes begins imploring the receptionist. Ring an ambulance, I said between breaths. Tell them it's an emergency. Steve, mate, (laughs) it was an emergency five minutes ago when you were worrying about NHS bed space.
1: (laughs) Well, he he calls for the ambulance immediately after trying to give Sam the kiss of life, which presumably is Steve's, like, you know, emergency. That'll work. And it's when Steve is unable to save him himself that at times some trained
5: medical professionals. So he's still alive at this point. The ambulance arrives in less than ten minutes. So they leave the stadium, (laughs) Sam in the ambulance. How does (laughs) Steve leave? Uh, Steve,
1: Steve uh, luckily has a vehicle of his own on hand to follow the oh, ambulance. Oh, here we in. go. And dare I say it, it's actually faster than your, your average bog-standard ambulance. <laughs> it's none other than an XJ8 3.2 sports version, V-Reg. Uh, as I drove fast in the infirmary, following the ambulance as it cut a swathe through the traffic, I wasn't thinking of power-assisted steering and speed-sensitive variable ratios. <laughs> I was considering how life can be sweet one minute, and suddenly, without warning, we are dead. <laughs> It's quite clear that he's thinking both of those things. Sure, he is musing on mortality, but he's still thinking, I'll tell you what, I do like while I'm alive, this lovely character just hearing.
3: It's so weird. It we get- gets
1: weirder, weirder as uh, Steve names the department of the hospital that they arrived at. A real sort of digression from basic facts, which I don't think was needed for any sort of legal reason,
5: when he says that they arrived
1: at ENA, emergency and accidents. <laughs>
5: But Why you know how you know how he slightly twisted the place names. I like to think he's done it with everything. it's <laughs> good. I went to buy a CD from MH3. <laughs> it's like it's set in a world where we've missed the first book, which is Steve Bruce has gone back in time, broken a twig, and then moved forward.
4: <laughs> <laughs> like back well, the to the future too, Yeah. <laughs> The
1: thought that a previous football novelist got sued by A&E for referring to him and uh, Steve's, Steve's wised up to that.
5: The famously litigious NHS. Yeah. Or, or H-N-S. 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 Yeah. <laughs> So, we get to the end of the chapter. Sam's been pronounced dead on arrival. There's a bit of complaining about NHS red tape.
1: Yeah, and also he's, he's slightly annoyed. And there's not... What I would say to his credit is there's not too much ego uh, in the Steve Barnes slash Steve Bruce world, but he is annoyed that of all the young doctors in Lettersford, I had to get the one who didn't know about me. <laughs> so, oh! Because I mean, he, ego between these he's just trying to get in and out of the stadium quickly, and this is a slightly excruciating conversation where uh, Steve says, I was down at the stadium, and the guy says to him, you work there? In what capacity? And Steve's just thinking, oh, dear. someone's going to have to tell this young doctor that I'm the manager of bloody letters of time.
5: <laughs> Please. Um, so how did Sam die? What was, what was the cause of death? Well, we'll get to this. Okay. okay. So this is, by the way, each chapter ends with a huge cliffhanger. Right. Steve Bruce, I've never known someone more petrified that you're going to put the book down. <laughs> apart from perhaps Dan Brown. (laughs) But he he ends on a huge cliffhanger, and if he doesn't have one, he'll replace it instead with a paragraph which describes some perils from the next chapter. Yeah, lovely. So if he hasn't got a cliffhanger, he'll go, little did I know, in just half an hour, I'd be hanging from my feet in a torture dungeon.
1: (laughs) Very much what I would describe as the shipwrecked Battle of the Islands mode of storytelling. (laughs) just constantly packed with trailers of events you never get to see.
5: <laughs> Shall we read the, uh, the final bit? Uh, do you want to be Steve Barnes or do you want to be the nurse? Uh, I'll be... Uh, which would you rather be, Josh? I'll be Steve
1: Barnes. I'll go from my oh, right. side. Well, and what, what the actor... I'm sure, Josh, you'll fulfil this role, but you've really got to capture Steve Barnes's impatience at being told really quite interesting and important medical detail. Yeah.
5: I sighed. The last thing I needed right now was a complication in my life. Another complication, that is. Being manager of a soccer club is difficult enough. I don't think he was an epileptic. It looked like a fit to me. I think it was an insulin coma. I checked my wristwatch, anxious to be on my way. (laughs) And I don't think it was self-administered. Look, son, I've been very patient.
1: I've been on duty almost non-stop for more than 48 hours and my judgment may be impaired. Give it to me
5: in plain English.
1: Right, in plain English, I think the old man was murdered. Chapter End of two. Oh, <laughs> That's Such it.
5: a weird conversation.
2: <laughs> so the doctor's saying that he was he was killed by excess insulin. Excess yes. Insulin. Is
3: he a diabetic? Do we know yet?
2: I don't know if diabetes is mentioned. I don't think diabetes is mentioned once.
1: Another, another <laughs> thing a, Steve couldn't get past even... the lawyers.
5: <laughs> there is a mention of a uh, of a player called Larry Babbitt, but... by <laughs> um by DTS. <laughs> <laughs> So, there's a murder, we don't know, it's been done with excess insulin. Any questions before chapter two? I mean, so many, but let's yeah, crack on it. Let's keep going. Okay. We start chapter two with him musing on the game against Burnwick that's coming up. Oh, God! Now, sake. it's called Sweeper. You might have noticed there's already a janitor. Yeah. That's one use of Sweeper. However, interestingly, for the game against Burnwick, Steve Barnes is employing a new defensive system. Oh, Hello. Hello.
3: Free up front? <laughs>
5: <laughs> you get holding up, midfielder, up, uh, but wing backs
3: bombing on. Yeah. Any advance? Yeah. Yeah.
5: The next book's called False Night yeah. <laughs> So do you want to take us through the start of chapter two, over
1: Yes. So as I say, they're in a um, promotion battle from uh, what was then the first division, now the championship, and they've got a big game coming up on the Tuesday against Burnwick, who are. Not sort of hugely strong or intimidating opposition, but it's a big game tactically because he's desperate to bed in
5: this sweeper system before the game. Um, uh, the manager of Burnwick is a, a someone called Peter Penrice who played with uh, Steve Barnes at Mulcaster United. Oh. What's
1: so annoying about reading and researching these books and having slightly too much time on your hands is you become obsessed with leaving no stone unturned to yeah. working out who these people are, and I wasn't able to be fully sure of who Peter Penrice no, was I or who Burnwick who, are, really.
5: I think Burnwick are Burnley. But, but. Peter Penrice is, is both, as a player and a manager, not as successful as Steve Barnes. That's yeah, very right, clear. Yeah. <laughs> However, they are mates. No. And dis- despite them being mates, he refers to them throughout the book Always as Peter Penrose. Yes. They'll so say to his wife, I'm going to meet Peter Penrose. <laughs> There's a bit where he goes, I, I took a seat and I sat and waited. I thought, from here I'll be able to see Peter Penrose arrive.
4: Yes.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Stop calling him Peter Penrose! It's sending me mad! How are you going to go and meet
1: Peter Penrose? Oh, I'll tell you how I'm going to go. I'm going to go in the XJ 3.2 sports version of B Reg.
5: <laughs> so, no. he's taking this training session. He decides he's going to play one defender behind the three. So he plays this player called Jacko. Full name, François-Auguste Jacquemin. French
1: national, but of African extraction. Don't ask me which country his parents came from. I can't remember.
3: Oh, God. (laughs) Barnsley.
5: Barnsley. Um, Well, geography never was my strongest subject at school. And even if I had learned it at school, the name of the country had probably changed by now. (laughs) It's a real shame. But it's such a funny thing. Everyone's a case of two wrongs don't make a right.
1: Such a funny thing to imagine a sort of middle aged football manager getting annoyed (laughs) about. That uh, that another French speaking African nation has changed its name. Just just as I've learned it.
5: Bloody hell. Bruce Grabalas from Rhodesia. What? Not anymore?
1: (laughs) You can call it the Democratic Republic of the Congo all you want, mate. But. uh,
5: You don't get me to change my way. No, No, he's got a new assistant, um, Jock Durham. He seems to imply um, that uh, he was his number two at the previous club, Threshfield, and when he quit that post, Jock agreed to come with me to Ledersford, slightly writing out the previous (laughs) book in which... Steve Barnes had been framed for murder by his own assistant (laughs) a man who now seemingly never had the job I don't know whether this is a bit of like characterisation in that Steve Barnes is so angry about uh, the guy framed him for murder he's decided to write him out of his own autobiography yeah there's a there's a a scene
1: in the film of this where Steve goes to visit Carberry in prison and through the glass shows him a draft of (laughs) Sweeper in which he isn't even mentioned at all just to taunt him
5: So that's training. There's no real plot to that. It's just a a bubbling kind of feeling that he's going to employ this sweeper system that he needs to work on at all times. And
1: there's other little sort of things about defence. There's his preference for man marking over zonal marking. Uh, He says also that he doesn't want to see any short tugging from his defenders, at least not in anybody under the age of 30. Again, whatever (laughs) that (laughs) means. Once you get to 30, you can tug all the shorts you like.
3: Now, thing. the thing is, with some of this, like it's, it would be quite interesting if this was like managerial insight. But it's all it, so obvious and cliched. It's, like, it's not find it
5: Astonishing that Steve Bruce is a football manager, still because yeah. still because his training regime. He at one point he's teaching them to not slide tackle too much, and you're thinking, surely by now, that isn't like a tip. Yeah. <laughs> like you've been the manager for a year. These guys have been playing football for 20 years. How does they not know this stuff?
1: Well, because the logic for the slide tackle is then, you know, when you get the ball, it's easier to start the next move if you're on your feet. Yeah. I thought of some, like, 31-year-old new signing being like,
5: oh, brilliant, thanks
1: for that <laughs> revolutionary answer, Steve. <laughs> i just been God, sat here God,
5: on yeah. my arse yeah. time yeah. someone win the ball back. <laughs> There's this real weird bit. Now, I'm quite obsessed with when... So, if it was all letters for Town, Moulcaster, Burnwick... I'd be fine. But what confuses me is occasionally the real world will just move on in. So there's this bit where he's talking about defenders. So he says, the joke is, I never crossed the halfway line. Other defenders have become wing-backs. Think of Dennis Irwin or Lee Dixon at Arsenal. And you're just going, when I think of Dennis Irwin, I think he played for Manchester United with you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> in an alternate reality. Yeah. Like, Don't name a player that's... Implicitly related to you. Like, you're either in the world of Dennis Irwin or you're in the world of Jacko. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The thought of Dennis Irwin going up for a corner saying to Steve, you just stay back in your inner
2: half, Steve. And Steve's just thinking, I'm going to write about this one. (laughs) I wonder if... Do you remember playing Pro Evo in the 90s? And the Dutch team, they obviously couldn't get the licence for the names. Yeah. So they all had names like like, you know, Dutch Orange. And it was like... Not Dennis Burkamp, it was like, you know. Dennis Borkamp. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if Dennis Owen was happy to be licensed, but everyone else (laughs) has just been like, no, you've got to change my name. Dennis
5: Owen's phone rings at like midnight, and it's Steve Bruce going, I'm writing a new soccer book. (laughs) (laughs) Sidling up to Lee Dixon at a PFA award. Lee, um, would you be right for me to use your name to explain wingbacks in a fictionalized detective story? Set in a different reality <laughs> of Yorkshire.
1: Yeah, I, I will mention the attacking, yeah. I'll, I'll mention it. You can push forward. <laughs> so then so, what happens, over there? So midway through training, his uh, his loyal and faithful uh, PA, Julie, um, gets She's in back. touch. back. She rings him on his mobile phone, which, lest we forget, is a necessary instrument of modern business. <laughs> but, if only if only you knew what life is like now in 2018 <laughs> Steve blow your mind
2: is he um, is he still drinking the tea from book one
1: Actually, he was
5: obsessed with chamomile tea in book one him trying to get was, into yeah.
1: tea but that is I, I don't think that is called no, at all I'm afraid no uh,
5: he's off the booze yeah. now Julie comes in They, uh, the police want to talk to Steve mm. he's very reluctant to talk to them he doesn't want to get involved that's fair to say yeah he doesn't want to be bothered anymore they want him to identify the body which seems unlikely. Uh, the because-
1: press wanted to the story already. Yeah. Harry Pickles of the Ledersford Enquirer <laughs> is back.
3: Why do they want him like check out the body? He brought the guy to the hospital.
5: I know, it's very weird that they want him to identify the body even though he doesn't know the guy. Mm. He goes back to training and then he decides to call Harry Pickles. From the Ledersford Inquirer. The local rag, as he of course <laughs>
3: he calls Harry. it. Again, characterisation. <laughs> Harry Pickles. <coughs> like Harry. So wearing a cat with <laughs> press like co- press card tucked into his top hat.
5: <laughs> interesting uh, bit of trivia. Uh, actually Barney Roney refused to let his name be licensed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he tells uh, he tells Harry what had happened the previous evening, uh, and he makes a kind of Statement. When he does any of these kind of statements or anything, you get the feeling he's got... Once again, like the first book, at no point is he sad or affected by the fact he's seen a man die. Yeah, and is in some way responsible. In the, yeah. In book one. I'd be thinking, should I <clears throat> not have assumed, despite a lack of first aid training, that he was having an epileptic fit therefore meaning that he's now dead. That would be mainly... Might be playing on my mind slightly. (laughs) Steve Barnes is all about the sweeper system. And then the police want Steve (laughs) to identify the body because there's no relatives to Sam. And he says, well, he must be on the payroll. And then she said, there's no file to prove it. It's all a bit of a mystery. Very strange. It's as if Sam didn't even exist. Oh, you're kidding me. Almost as if he never was. Chapter three. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Now, chapter three starts with another running thing. We've got the sweeper system. We've got the uh, ongoing interest in Sam's murder. There's also another th- strand, which is, Ivo? Either... Uh,
1: it, it, are you talking about the constant threat of Steve Bruce getting a cold? That so, is it, yes. He <laughs> <laughs> can feel a cold coming on for pretty oh much the no. entirety of the oh book. No. <laughs> and again, that's the source of a huge amount of frustration. How would you
5: describe a cold... Um, what's what's the more extreme version of a cold? Flu. Yeah. What would you call it? Flu, Michael. Yeah, I call it. flu. Lurgy. No, yeah, flu. Not Steve Barnes. Steve Barnes refers to it throughout as influenza. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't play soccer this afternoon. I've got influenza. I'm afraid.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so he's gone to the uh, he's gone to the police station. Uh, and he's encountered a young, blonde, pretty, gentle and feminine police officer who will no doubt become tougher with experience.
5: <laughs> now, but can I just say, none of that was Ivo. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that last bit did sound like Ivo it was yeah. the editorialising. Editorial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: sorry, he meets a police officer, but I, I've imagined in my head what, what, what she'd be like based on, based on my
5: favourite police officers in my life. So she's called Christine... How does he find out she's called Christine with the uh, following? Shall we do the uh, the um, yes. dialogue here? Jesus. Shall we go from, uh, my name's Steve? Yes, I know.
1: Are you a supporter? I get crowd control duties like all the others. I'm Christine. Chris for short. No, Christine. <laughs> I've never asked <laughs> someone called Christine or <laughs> they're called Christine ever.
3: <laughs> Why is Christine. that bit in the book? <laughs> Hi, my name is Jackie.
5: Jack, no Jackie.
2: to do it. That is clearly... How
5: you, you've got a short undername. How often have you said, Michael. I'm Michael. Mike. <laughs> no one has ever asked me that question. <laughs> and he,
2: what he's done is he's masculinised her nickname. <laughs> like, if someone said... What's your name? And I went, Michael. And they went, Michaela. Yeah. <laughs>
4: it's like, n- well, no,
2: no on both counts. <laughs> that screams of him having watched like some classic like Bogart and Bacall film noir where the, yeah. like some Raymond Chandler dialogue that just crackles yeah. with sexual yeah. tension. It's like, yeah. you know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? Just put yeah. your lips together and blow. It's like, Christina? Chris, no. Yeah.
5: <laughs> so then there's there quite a weird scene which we... Do we need to go into this scene? Have you got much? Basically,
2: this? they're looking
1: at the body. Christine's not hugely enjoying it. There's this um, sort of weirdly jaunty a guy who works in the morgue who enjoys the... It's
5: possibly the best drawn character of the thing. Yeah. I, I, you know, is? And you do see that occasionally. The guy that works in the morgue. Okay. Who's only in one scene. If you were to say, if I was an actor who was offered every role in the Steve Barnes... Books, I'd say I'll play the guy in the morgue because there's more to get your teeth into. Be right? a lovely cameo. He's like, he's basically someone who's, he enjoys the fact that he's okay with the dead bodies, but they're not. Right. And he enjoys almost taunting the, uh, Christine, Chris, no, Christine, yeah. enjoys taunting her because she's struggling with it because she's quite new to the Force. Right. At one
1: point, uh, when he sees Steve looking at the smaller drawers in the room, he says, that's where we put the kids.
5: So it's, it's not, a,
1: oh. not a pleasant person. Oh, no. But, but he's there's this
3: a in this. He's so bit, of,
1: bit of colour. It's a bit of, you know, yeah. colour to the story. And you can see why Christine or Chris is, is, is not hugely enjoying herself. There's so a, There's one lovely book where he gets a very quick bit of revenge on the guy. Because he, he comments on the irony that the guy works in a mortuary despite smoking. And he says, how do you know I smoke heavily? Your hands, I replied. He stared at the fingers of his right hand, stained brown with smoke and nicotine. Normally I wouldn't say anything, but I didn't like the way he was trying to upset Christine. So he's used this sort of proto-Sherlock ability <laughs> yeah. to read things, to mock the guy for his ironically tr- dangerous lifestyle.
5: Um, now, then the pathologist comes in and um, he says, uh, you saw Milton have a fit? Yes. You thought it was epilepsy. Now, if you're worried that Steve Bruce, Steve Barnes, sorry, was being a bit laissez-faire at the time, just to hammer it home, That's what it seemed like to me. Though I don't know very much about epilepsy or medical matters. (laughs) Call an ambulance! (laughs) What are you doing? If anything, he's incriminating himself
1: with that sentence. (laughs) Also, um, you may have noticed uh, Josh snuck in uh, Sam's surname there. Milton. Sam Milton. Which is introduced with no... uh, There's no announcement of... No, it just starts uh, happening.
5: Yeah. just starts being called Sam Milton. Now... um, there's a uh, plot point here uh, that... Um, I think it's on the next He page. says he was due to retire very, very soon. He was 65. Then um, the pathologist uh, says, actually, he's about 80.
4: Mm.
5: He also adds that um, he then sees the body and... Um, listen up. But um, it's a flag, some kind of banner, Christine says, looking at the tattoo. I was puzzled. I thought the tattoo was on the other arm. Shows how wrong you can be. Especially when the mind is fuddled by influenza. <laughs> <laughs> Who amongst us hasn't,
0: hasn't got a blocked
5: nose and started to see tattoos? <laughs> oh, by the way, another plot point. The guy has slav cheekbones. Yeah. So he's from Eastern Europe, according, South Eastern Europe, according to Duck and Field. Right. Yeah, who's, who's the other guy in the mortuary. Yes. So the guy's been... Uh, he's I mean, been...
2: That's, that's a hell of a call on an 80-year-old body to go... Slavic oh, cheekbones. Eastern European cheekbones. Yeah. On an 80-year-old yeah. oh, but man. you know what they say, yeah. Slavic
1: cheekbones, Michael. They're the last things to go. <laughs> you show me a skeleton, and I'd go. And
5: um You know the pancreas? Uh, yeah, I'm aware <laughs> of it. Steve Barnes isn't. <laughs> <laughs> <reef> oh, man, a cancer. Cancer of the pancreas. Pancreas, I asked. I was out of my depth, and I knew it.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
5: Uh, So, at this point... The guy's been given
1: far too much uh, insulin, so he's essentially been poisoned, and we've had this really sort of clanging plot point that uh, the the influenza-fuddled Barnes has noticed that the tattoo isn't maybe on the right side of the building. I like
5: to think, because the influenza really has no other bearing, that the whole influenza riff throughout the book, that's quite long, is put there purely to hide the flag changing. Yes, (laughs) To, to excuse the fact that he didn't... Yeah, did, to excuse I, I, the fact that he didn't go, why is the flag on the different arm? Yeah.
1: So uh, that's the end of chapter two. We've got the body. Uh,
5: he's mentioned again that we've got the game against Burnwick coming up. He also the, mentions that Susan suggested they go... Oh, sorry, can we just stop? They're, they're talking about the Christmas shopping. Now, Steve Barnes, a football man, he's been in football 30 years. Susan had suggested we go away for Christmas, but that was impossible. How... Is Susan, the wife of a man who's been a footballer since he was sixteen, still unaware (laughs) that he'd be busy over the Christmas period? (laughs) Yes, silly bin. But what how is Susan that Susan would never make that mistake? He's just
3: trying to stitch her up, isn't
5: he? If I was married to Lenny Henry for thirty years I wouldn't say, should we go on holiday during Red Nose Day? Lovely.
3: <laughs> Great. Great
1: example. Can I just say, uh, I wouldn't have been able to think of an example of <laughs> <that quickly. laughs> another person attached very specifically to a time of year. I love that that was your go-to.
5: <laughs> well, we might as well go away, Lenny, because we can stay in any premiere in yeah, your want. Right. You. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so this is a classic one of those chapters where he hasn't got a cliffhanger. Mm. So he ends with just the word Soon my own life would be in grave danger. Chapter four.
1: Well, it starts with a a lovely sort of cultural rumination. Again, as if to follow Steve's own rule that the more exciting the end to the previous chapter, the more boring the start to the next (laughs) chapter must be. The ultimate zoom out. So we're we're talking about the Ledersford Town Hall, built in the Italian style. Not that he would have known. Architecture, like much else, is a closed book to me. Maybe when I'm too old for active participation in a beautiful game, well maybe just maybe I'll take up other interests. Not yet though, architecture can wait. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be following Steve Bruce's own career for the next twenty years to see if at any point he gets into architecture.
5: If if you see Steve Bruce sacked, within weeks you'll you'll see him up York Minster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm staring at the spy. Yeah.
1: So he's essentially uh, trying to track down the mysterious Sam Milton's paperwork, uh, which is very difficult. Um, he can't. He can't get it through the banks. He says no good approaching a bank for information. They find it hard just telling you about your own balance.
5: So he doesn't really sort of trust. <laughs> Different that. times to now. Yeah. yeah. So he goes to the library uh, to check the electoral rolls. Right. But he we don't. He needs an address essentially. Yeah. We don't keep them. The, ma- the librarian told me he was a young man not physically strong quite weedy in fact don't laugh
2: is he talking to the reader there?
5: yeah that's
2: so weird he's like he's just broken the fourth wall was this like just bullying people we've never met yeah.
5: if I just said he was a young man not physically strong quite weedy in fact would you have thought I'm going to laugh but I shouldn't <laughs> <laughs> but that's the kind of thing that Steve Bruce Barnes does because it, it's so badly written it does make you question the whole form of a novel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As an art form.
1: <laughs> when it's told in this almost slightly sort of house of cards, sort of nod and a wink, slightly sort of, you know, Oi, oi, puny librarian. Don't ask, don't ask.
5: <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking, why is he doing this? Something has impelled him to carry on. Call it an obligation, call it a hunch. <laughs> I.e., Steve Bruce has thought of no reason why Steve Barnes would continue investigating this.
1: (laughs) Apart from the fact that the blood is sorted on his own hands. So he goes to Charlesworth Street, which uh, he is instructed to do um, by the guy in the library, the the weakling at the library. Don't don't laugh, Michael. Um, (laughs) He goes to Charlesworth Street, um, which I think is is one of the less affluent areas of This. So they've got three houses and one was boarded up. I Uh,
5: describe this as the most breathtaking scene. It's
1: an absolutely wonderful
5: scene. But- I, this and the scene where he meets Malik for the first time are up there as my two favourite Steve Bruce scenes, apart from the one where he in the first book strips naked to dry off on the moors.
4: <laughs> <laughs> That's a lovely thing.
1: Yeah, which sadly isn't revisited in no. this one. So um <laughs> the the guy apparently lived at number forty seven. He can't get into number forty seven. There's no answer when he knocks at the door. Uh, because the guy's dead Because the guy's dead And there's no one else there But uh, his efforts Do attract attention At number 49 Now Who do you think Lives at number 49 In this run down street In Lennisford
5: Harry Pickles
1: It's not It's not <laughs> Harry It's guess. not
5: Harry Pickles Harry Pickles is earning mate <laughs> No But Pickles I'll tell you what Pickles might might well be Sniffing around You know At these parts If he was sniffing around He would smell um, What this area smells of Which is um, The tripe factory Yeah
4: the tripe factory? Is there
1: such a thing? I don't we're not, we're not talking about Steve Bruce's publishing house.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> the Lendersford training ground.
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, look.
5: Charles West Street had three houses and one of those was boarded up. There was a strong smell of something obnoxious. I found the sort of the smell. It was the tribe factory. <laughs> Close to the, the railway viaduct. <laughs> the trike factory! That's what you'd say if someone lied to you. Go, can I smell the trike factory?
4: <laughs> <laughs> so, so.
5: so, next door to. I It took me a long time to the scene to realise what these women did for a living. Yes.
1: What's fun is you don't realise immediately, but it's not clear exactly when Steve realises <laughs> either. So, they're, they're, they're escorts, essentially, they're,
5: and they're... They're, they're hookers. Yeah, they they're, two they're prostitutes. They're so, his uh, efforts not going to attach the attention of number 49. He's dead. A woman who looked as if she'd been roused from her sleep. Hair and curlers, fag in mouth. Not very attractive. Not very attractive at all.
4: <laughs> 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 Just to drill it home.
5: Uh, so... He goes in to talk to this woman who is not very attractive at all. So they're sort of dancing
1: around the issue a little bit. It's not clear also on whether she knows who he is. Uh, She asks, do I know you? He says, there was no way I was going to introduce myself. Imagine what some of the tabloids would make out of such a meeting, particularly since Harry Pickles lives next door. (laughs) He he wants to be careful. So Um, she she offers him a cigarette. Uh, He says, no, I'm I'm coming down with the flu. She says, that's fine, you want to keep away from me? And he says, that would be no problem. (laughs) Like, so if, darling, he's yeah. really ramming home his lack of interest. Now in this is
5: where I—I I still, at this point, I hadn't worked out what she does. This is when I realise is when the second character is introduced. It must get a bit lonely down here. Only two houses. Oh, a share. Is he out at work? It's a she, and the lazy bitch is still in bed. Maybe she's going down with the flu. A lot are getting it. She does go down a lot, love, but it isn't with flu. <laughs> oh, <my God.
3: laughs>
1: maybe that's the root of the whole flu (laughs) storyline for 120 pages for
4: a a
5: going down joke on page 40 (laughs) so then um, she shouts down for Maureen when Maureen came down she was certainly younger but not more desirable (laughs) I thank my stars I'm married to an attractive woman and have a good family life what I would describe as unreconstructed. There's something kind of puritanical, but also sexist about him. He's like Gavin Peacock. <laughs> I think he has a fascination with the world of prostitution, much like Alan Partridge does about Lady. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
3: yeah. Like, like, oh, I just, want, I just want to look in. I, I find it disgusting, but...
5: With Maureen, now, the, I'd say of the two books, the greatest kind of flourish or... The only time, and it's not good, but the only time when... Steve Bruce has shown any kind of creative thought or kind of linguistic kind of aptitude is uh, when he describes Maureen. Uh, At that moment, Maureen came back, holding in her hand a mug of tea. The mug was chipped and had no handle. Maureen wasn't in much better shape herself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So the the key information he gets from them is that um, the guy did indeed live next door. He had friends round. They sung songs... And then as Steve walks to drive away, the older one says, here, Maureen, come and get a shifty of this effing motor car. <laughs>
3: yeah. A shifty? Yeah.
5: I accelerated away at speed, end of chapter. I'd say the start of chapter five is my favourite sentence at the start of any year. Yeah, please. Susan was furious. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then we get back, uh, Susan's livid because he's meant to be going Christmas shopping. And then he goes into training. And then they're going to do defensive work. There's a moment when I don't think he understands that a metre is not a yard. When he says, we got them started. The area was 30 by 50 yards, or metres. <laughs> Pick your own favourite. <laughs> I love the only that Steve Bruce thinks a yard... Uh, A metre isn't a new measurement, but it's a variant term for the yard. I I, I like him
2: setting up his defensive walls on the training ground. And everyone's like, why are we so far away from the (laughs) the The (laughs) kicker? I keep conceding from set pieces. It's really weird. Oh, that was inches wide. Or should I say (laughs) centimetres? So he's uh, training them. He's focusing
1: on defence as usual. Uh, He says he can't put too high a premium on defence. Then oh so the, the tip off he gets given by the two women who live next door um, to Sam Milton are uh, that he, the person he really needs to speak to is um, the man who owns the house. So this is
5: who he's off to meet now. He's looking for uh, Mr Abdul Malik Chowdhury. Okay, <laughs> I mean, that's poor. Tonight. That is quite that's, a composite name. That's, that's <laughs> close. Nice. If having read the way Steve Bruce writes, you then he arrives in a predominantly Asian area. If you're anything like me, you do tense up a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Please don't say what the road smelt (laughs) of,
5: Honestly, I got to this bit and I was like, please don't ruin the whole thing now. I'm worried. I'm not saying in any way Steve Bruce is sexist or racist. I'm saying Steve Barnes has (laughs) made some pretty horrible (laughs) observations about women. And I don't want his attitudes to continue and to other sensitive areas.
3: <laughs> Imagine if we had to end this review here. Yeah.
5: yeah. And then, on, on page ones. 47, the book's kind of ruined. Yeah. So <laughs> It's no longer funny. It turns out you folks <laughs> right. uh, so he folks with the BPN. Right. So he turns up, he gets invited in. This character Malik comes in, who becomes a companion to him Uh, and endears himself early doors to Steve. How do you think he endears himself?
1: Well, I hope it's car related. It is car related. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I won't do the accent. I'm sure (laughs) sure Steve would. That's a very good car you have. Jaguar. XJ8. 3.2. Sports version. (laughs)
4: <laughs>
1: and that's just like well, You know when Alan Partridge meets um, Dan Yes, exactly yeah. In the petrol station When they compare which lynxes they're wearing Yeah,
4: Voodoo <laughs> <Java>. yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, Well smelt <laughs> They then bond over uh, uh, Over sort of domestic issues When uh, Malik's wife and his mother come in To give them their, their oh, drinks yeah. Steve stands up trying to be polite And Malik says Sit down, don't give them ideas Ideas? Women's Liberation.
5: (laughs) I have the same trouble at home, I said.
3: Oh, no, he's on his side. I thought he was going to lecture him. He does say,
5: I said, trying to be polite, so he might be doing the kind of thing we've all done in a taxi before. Oh, it's great, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Then Malik serves in vegetarian or meat samosas. Now... I don't know whether that's a typo. <laughs> or whether in this world they are called samosas. Yes, so. there's a very
1: outside chance that we may be being the culturally ignorant yeah. ones. What? But if I had to stake my money on it, I'd say it's Steve Bruce taking a wild swing at how to spell samosa.
2: <laughs> Either that or the overprotective lawyer has gone. We don't want to get sued by yeah. the
3: samosa company yeah. here, mate. Like, <laughs>
5: by Mrs Pat Change one yeah. syllable,
3: please. Yeah. I've been trying to ring Uncle Ben all day. <it>.
5: Right, so um, so he tells him that Sam's died. To which uh, Malik replies, "May Allah protect him in the life to come." Amen. I said.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The Melting Pot. That's lovely. Um,
5: Just at this point, I'd I'd say Malik becomes a companion that's similar to uh, Do you remember Morgan Freeman in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves?
1: In the next bit, uh, they bond over um, the the women next door. Uh, So Steve says, the women next door said he had friend's call and they sang loud songs. Malik smiled. So you met those tarts at number 49? Were you tempted? Not a bit. Me neither, Malik said, though I noticed he blushed heavily as he made the denial.
5: By the way, at this point, the smell of tripe has gone. Do you understand this tripe thing? (laughs) Is that
3: of consequence that the smell of tripe has gone?
5: No. <laughs> no. Don't think so. I don't... I couldn't work out what the tripe thing was about.
1: Yeah. That's what you say when someone's provided some fact in an argument. Okay, this man of tripe's gone. <laughs> to <make it> fair.
5: <laughs> so they get to the house, then these two blokes turn up, and they say, um, we're his friends, you can't go in there. And he says he's dead. And they go, go away for two hours and then return. Uh, which Steve Barnes uh, is not happy with. Um, Are you Sam's relatives? Are they reveal that the guy is called Stefan, not Sam. Right. So basically, these guys um, the, the pull par- a gun. Yeah, the chapter ends with him having a, having a gun pulled on they him pull because he's on insisting him. on being let into the house. Right. What,
3: why they, did he go back again?
5: Because uh, he's trying to work out who this guy is and what's going on. But he's he's just going to
3: look around his house for clues.
5: He's gone back yes. with Malik. Because so yeah, Malik's going to let him in. Right. So him and Malik go back right. to let him right. Right. Two guys turn up, they pull well, a gun right. on him, Yeah. and Steve goes in, and Malik gets to sit in the drag. So uh, it's cold malik said you may sit in the comfortable jaguar motor car the tall man said i unlocked the door with the remote control malik got in the back seat yeah. he looked both crestfallen and relieved that isn't an easy mixture of emotions try them together sometime
2: <laughs> if you go and study one of uh, stanislav's acting courses like the last gradu- <laughs> the last graduation piece it's to do those two press yeah.
5: you go for your uh, your audition at RADA um, yeah. and uh, for my <laughs> monologue I'd like to do mallet yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what well, I like I is the you. idea of people uh, on the tube now listening to this podcast I'm trying to do it <laughs> trying to do it people someone's sitting across going that guy's missed his stop but he doesn't mind being like <laughs>